It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. So there's a cat doing things. Root. Cat. Get out. Yeah. Get out Chaos. <laughs> Climbing on crunchy things. All right. Classic. Uh, <laughs> Sup, nerds. It's basketball. Welcome to Horse, a basketball podcast about everything except for the wins and losses. My name is Mike Schubert, and I'm joined by my trusted co-host, the Adam Amawala speaking it into existence to the Knicks not being eliminated from the playoffs yet. It's Adam Amawala. Adam, how's it going? And thank you. Uh, you're welcome. It's going well. And uh, it's it's been exciting. You know, I feel like as much as I hated the Knicks growing up as a New Yorker, it is cool to see the Knicks being good again. And uh, I am sure you are thrilled. I'm sure that my boy Freddie Lopez is thrilled. Uh, shout out Freddie. And I'm sure that our, our guest that we're going to have on, little teaser, uh, is also thrilled. Yeah, it's it's just fun. It's just nice. And I know that there's lots of complaints that usually get thrown around with large market teams where it's not fair to be, you know, always in the media and blah, 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 all that kind of stuff. But like genuinely, I think the league is more fun when the Knicks are good. And like yeah. as much as you want to hate it, like it's kind of fun when the Lakers are good, too. Like this playoffs has been really interesting with the Lakers having a really tumultuous season and then looking really strong in the playoffs. Like, I don't know. It's been fun. And obviously, as a very biased party, I'm enjoying right. the Knicks being good. And I think what a couple of folks have mentioned to me, most notably Sally, who is a Sixers fan and joined our Patreon because we answered their question in an MBQ&A. They and a lot of other people are saying, basically, like, when you have a bad franchise that finds success after, it's just beloved. And that happened with the Kings, and now it happened here with the Knicks. And it's just fun to see the franchises that have struggled for so long be good. Uh, and it's especially fun when you root for those teams, because, gosh, it's just nice. You know, it's hard for me to not think about the alternate reality in which the Bulls hold on in their play-in game against the Heat. They advance to play the Bucks. They somehow beat the Bucks, and then we have ourselves a Bulls Knicks second round matchup. I mean, that would have been uh, it could could have caused some tension between us, but you know, I think we would have been okay. We joked about it being a pie in the sky thing, but look at it; it could have happened. Yeah. But as we currently stand, the Knicks are one and one in their second round matchup against the Miami Heat, who surprised and defeated the Bucks largely due to Giannis being hurt. And Mike Budenholzer, the coach, dealing with a death in his family. So, like, pretty tough series for the Bucks. There. Sure, but also Jimmy Butler being our Lord and Savior. Yeah, Jimmy Butler. It's funny when people really live up to their nicknames because everyone's like, oh, yeah, playoff Jimmy. Ha ha ha. Like, he had a good playoffs. And then just for the past, like, four years, he's just a mm -hmm. truly different human being when the playoffs start. Like, he is very much wake me up when the playoffs begin. And he must be very awake. It must be all that big face coffee because he is just <laughs> obnoxiously good at basketball in the playoffs. And he's still great in the regular season. Yeah. But he just takes it up to another level. And, you know, you just love to see someone thrive under a deadline, you know? Absolutely. And obviously, we'll have more to talk about in the, in full court press. But what do you think? Should, should we get ourselves centered? Let's do it. We need to get centered. So let's get centered in the Teal Memorial locker room, which if you follow us on Twitter, I did post a photo of the new Las Vegas Aces training center. It is the first so training center ever made specifically just for a WNBA team. And it is super nice. And that's what the Teal Memorial locker room looks like. Pretty state-of-the-art facility, honestly. Yeah, it's a really nice facility. I would hope more teams follow suit. And it's, it's just nice to see when more money is put into the WNBA, you see nicer things happen. And... Look, we talked in the past about certain teams having particular advantages 
because they're putting more money in like the Liberty. I think they got shut down, right? They wanted to fly private. Yeah. And then the WNBA didn't let them because it would be a competitive advantage. But look, if a team wants to put in more money and help the players, I think they should be able to do it because it'll motivate all the other owners to do it. And yeah, there's a reason why people keep signing with some of these franchises that care more like the Liberty and the Aces and the Storm. Right. And at a certain point, like, isn't it also a competitive advantage to have more money to spend on better players? Like, what's what's the difference? If you have money and you're spending it, good for you. You should have an advantage. Right. I guess the only difference is that in the NBA and the WNBA, you have a salary cap, so you try to even things out. But I don't know. I think when you have these billionaires that own teams... I think they should be incentivized to spend more money mm-hmm. on their team. And like that that's why it's so funny when they're like, oh, it's not fair. It's like, oh, not fair to this person who has a $10 billion fortune versus this person who has a $50 billion fortune. Like, I don't care. Right. I don't feel bad for these people. Well, I'm sure our friends over at Tipping Pitches, shout out uh, Tipping Pitches early baseball reference here, would be very much on board with this ideology because like, I think one of the things that angers them more than anything is people's like fetishization of teams that don't spend money like oh it's so cool that the rays don't pay anyone and they're good every year it's like it's not really great for anyone no it's not cool pay people their worth what a wild concept shout out to anyone that's on strike with the wga right now like exactly exactly but i am happy for the uh, tampa bay rays fan singular yeah just that one good for you richard (laughs) hope you're having a good time (laughs) anyway now that we are in the teal memorial locker room let's get centered. And you know who always gets us centered? Uh, You know, I would say our patrons, and we actually do have an honorary patron shout out. Do you want to do the honors? Yes. So shout out to 14-year-old honorary patron Caleb, who inspired our last episode where we revisited the drama draft. Caleb tells us that their two favorite interests are space and basketball. So they would like to be called Space Jammer. Couldn't think of a better way as long as you don't call it Space Jam 2, which we're all just going to try to collectively forget exists. Oh, God. But shout out to Caleb and shout out to our producer level patrons, Polly Burge, Kendra Hadley, Salvatore Testa, Trust the Process, Siobhan Ellsbury, Don't Go Chasing Taco Falls, Bang, Bang, Roast Beef Debris, Kate the Carker, Basketball is Life 2, Denver Steam Nuggets, Anna Reed, Steph Curry for 50. Bang! <laughs> Hi, Trish. Nicole Arsenal, Stubby Boardman gets paid. Chase Underulo and Mr. Bubbles plays ball. And you know who else gets us centered even on top of this? I would say our sponsor. It is our sponsor. And I guess if you want to get a little less centered and get things a little looser, you could check out our sponsor, Shaker and Spoon. Shaker and Spoon is a delivery kit service that will send you all of the ingredients and instructions to make three different cocktails, four servings of each, all that use the same liquor. All you got to do is provide the booze. They provide everything else. And if you want to be fancy at a party or have folks over or just have a really nice night to yourself watching the NBA playoffs or the WNBA preseason that's coming around, you can get yourself a box of Shaker and Spoon. I've used them. Adam used them. They're good times. They are very good times. Uh, It's pretty easy to assemble. The directions are, are very clear. And you do feel fancy. I mean, I, I told you a couple episodes ago that I brought Shaker and Spoon stuff to a, a friend's home and they were frankly blown away. They were like, I did not, I've never had somebody come visit us and be the person making the fancy cocktails. Good for you. That And that too can be you. That can be you. And you can also save money with our promo code. If you go to shakerandspoon.com slash horse, you will get $20 off your first box. The boxes are usually 40 or 50 bucks. So that's about half off. Pretty sweet. So head on over to shakerandspoon.com slash horse and get that fanciness in your life today. Absolutely. I don't know if you've been to a bar recently, but uh, it ain't cheap. I I did a show last week in Long Island City and uh, it was like in conjunction with the bar and they gave us each a a free drink after, which is very nice. But the old fashioned that I tried, $18, 18 uh, big ones. It's one of those things where Maybe it's just New York bias. I know it's worse in New York than other places, but it is just wild what becomes acceptable to charge oh, for yeah. a cocktail. Yeah. Because I feel like when I first started drinking, which, uh, oh my God, is 10 years ago. Blah, uh, Not getting <laughs> like any sympathy from ago. me, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> Not happening. When I first started, it was like, oh yeah, like if it's 10 bucks, like that's fine. And now we're approaching like $20 being like quote unquote acceptable for a cocktail. It's wild. We're going to get to a point where cocktails cost more than a bottle of liquor. It's weird. 
That is strange, you know, but you're you're paying for the experience, Michael. The experience of what? Like waiting and having to lose I will not my wait voice, in lines. getting someone's attention. I will attention. not wait in a line. <laughs> that is my stance in life. I just don't wait in lines anymore. <sighs> now, beyond not waiting for lines, what else is going on in your life, potentially, in the uh, world of comedy if people want to see you doing stuff? Uh, well, I have a bunch of New York dates coming up. All of the info can be found at adamamawala.com slash standup. The links to that are on all of my socials at adamamawala for most of these things. Uh, I'm going to be in Boulder, Colorado, uh, Thursday through Sunday. As you're listening to this, that's May 11th through the 14th. Um, I'm still working on some other dates coming up uh, later in the summer, including a weekend in Chattanooga. Uh, which is Ooh. a place that I I did I think I did a college gig there one time, but not not any club stuff. So I'll be uh, at Comedy Catch in Chattanooga in August, and then I have uh, my show coming out. And uh, again, a little yeah. teaser here, but we're going to talk to the the person who was is the creator of the show. That's going to be our guest for today. But Undercover Comic is going to be streaming soon. I believe we did just get confirmation that it will be on Amazon and hopefully other places as well. So that's nice, obviously nice. very exciting. But um, if you want more info on that, uh, follow our, our Instagram page, which is at under.cover.comic. What do you have coming up? Well, I've got those shows coming up that I had mentioned, Seattle, Vancouver, Cleveland, Detroit, Toronto, and then I believe a week after this episode goes live, the tickets will be live for my next batch of shows, which is going to be Hartford, Connecticut, Chicago, Milwaukee, and Minneapolis. So nice. if you head on over to schub.es slash tour, you can get tickets to all of those. I just had a fun time booking all of my flights and hotels. And thank goodness for the 24-hour cancellation thing, oh, because so I did this cool thing where I picked all the wrong dates. Oh, geez. <laughs> well, not all of them, but it was just like some mistakes where flipping arrival date and departure date and scheduling my flight home from Toronto the morning of Toronto. Like it was a weird thing where I had booked both flights for the same day instead of the flight in Sunday and the flight out Monday. Yeah. So I think even technically I was going to land at 11, 15 AM and then board at noon. <laughs> to oh, leave, which I don't think nice, that would have you know? worked well at all. <laughs> Um, I, I do actually have one more thing to plug and I can't believe I forgot this. Yes, yes, so yes. you had the chance to, to do some LA shows at the Crow comedy club, um, with working with Nicole, who's the, the loveliest person in the world. The venue is incredible. There's free parking, which is like mind blowing in Los and Angeles. It's literally across the street yeah. from a Metro stop, yeah. like not close. It's across the mm -hmm. street. But I am going to be uh, headlining a show there one night only, folks. That's right. One night only in Los Angeles. Uh, I will be there on Tuesday, June 6th. I'm sure I will tweet about it. And, uh, you know, I'll bully Mike into telling all of his Los Angeles uh, listeners. But, uh, yeah, I'll be there just for the one night. I'm actually going to be out in Hawaii doing a couple of shows uh, and going to my buddy's wedding. Um, I get to perform at Pearl Harbor. How cool is that? Whoa, that's wild. Yeah, there I'm doing a couple of military shows and one of them is like literally at Pearl Harbor. I mean, that's pretty cool. Yeah, it's very cool. But anyway, so as to break up the travel, uh, uh, we're stopping in LA and I'm doing a show. It's going to be eight o'clock on Tuesday, June 6th. I don't even know if it's live on the website yet, but uh, I'll certainly be talking more about that. And I'm very excited because I haven't done, I don't know that I've actually ever done like a headlining show in LA. I've done comedy there, but never that sort of thing. So I'm hoping to get people out for it. It's a great venue. Yeah, it's a great venue run by great people. They do cool stuff, and I'm glad you're performing there as well. That's going to be fun. Now, that's complete. Let's get into MBQ&A. What do we got this episode? So this question comes from our listener, Landon. The subject says, how to follow the WNBA. And the message says, hey, horse boys, I've been following your podcast since the beginning and have now been following the NBA for a few years and really loving it. I was talking to a friend yesterday about us trying to attend a WNBA game as we were going to an NBA game. I realized I want to start following the WNBA as well. I listen to NBA podcasts and YouTube channels as my primary ways of following the league. Do you two have any recommendations for podcasts or YouTube channels to start following the WNBA? I'm going to let you take the lead here. I mean, I think we know some people who are very involved in the WNBA land landscape, but what would be your kind of uh, intro guide to becoming a WNBA fan? Sure. I think the easiest way is to just pick a team and it can be for whatever reason, if you live in a town that has a team or you like a team name or you like a particular player or you think the logo or the jerseys are cool. I think you just pick a team, 
and then you just commit. It's kind of like <laughs> the fandom approach where you're like, all right, I'm going to root for the Dallas Wings and I'm going to get super invested. And then you just go on their Wikipedia page and you learn about the history. You learn about the roster. Follow them on Instagram because a lot of NBA teams and WNBA teams have incredible Instagram accounts where they will post lots of behind the scenes stuff and fun videos with team members also just followed the NBA and WNBA accounts mm-hmm. because they share a lot of good stuff as well. If you're looking for podcasts, past guest and our official WNBA correspondent Jordan Liggins actually has a new podcast. They're not paying us to promote this, but she's doing a podcast with Cheryl Swoops. That is so cool. The Cheryl Swoops and Jordan Liggins are doing a podcast together called Queens of the Court. And it's just going to be an incredible WNBA podcast. I believe some episodes are out. I need to get into it. I was going to start listening once the season ramped up. I don't necessarily watch YouTube channels aside from highlights, but that's another way that you can get into it. So yes, my suggestion would be pick a team, get super invested, listen to Queens of the Court, and just watch some games. WNBA League Pass is usually quite cheap. I think it was like $30 last season. Wow. So and maybe it was only because I bought it like halfway through the season. But Either way. it's quite affordable where yeah. you can watch the games. And then what League Pass does, which is really cool, is that if you don't want to deal with commercials and all that kind of stuff, you can watch the game after it's over. And then it only takes like an hour and 45 minutes or so because it it's just blitzes through all the commercials. So if you want to watch games later or the next day and do it in an efficient manner, League Pass lets you do it. Yeah. Well, there you have it. And now, with that complete, we can get into Full Court Press. Get it? Like the news? I do. And news there be. News there be. The NBA playoffs continue. And we've already talked a little bit about some of the teams that are still in the mix. But let's first and foremost give our flowers to Joel Embiid, the MVP. He did it. He finally did it. I'm very happy for him. I feel like he was very, very deserving, arguably deserving last year as well. And uh, it was a cool moment to see him getting emotional. It was cool to see James Harden giving him an engraved Rolex commemorating the achievement. So good, good for Embiid, you know? Yeah, it's nice. It's nice just from the perspective of he's come in second and third place the past couple of years. And this will now remove the situation that sometimes happens with NBA legends, such as how did they never win the MVP? Mm -hmm. Or how did this coach, like Eric Spolstra is one of the greatest coaches in the league. He's never won coach of the year. It's just weird. So the fact that Joel Embiid won is nice. And also it's nice because he's very funny on the internet and he quote tweeted an old meme he posted in 2014 where he photoshopped, and by photoshopped I mean Microsoft painted his face onto a post from NBA.com about MVP leaderboards. And he said something to the effect of what MVP rankings will look like in a couple of years. And then he quoted it after winning all caps and wrote, spoken into existence. I love that. (laughs) So shout out to Joel Embiid. That's very cool. And uh, I guess anti shout out to Dylan Brooks. (laughs) And the Memphis Grizzlies. Yeah. Dylan Brooks did this cool thing. He also spoken into existence, kind of. Yeah. uh, He did this thing where he, Trash talk to LeBron James. I wouldn't recommend doing that. No. LeBron's really good at basketball. Yeah. And Dylan Brooks called LeBron old and then said that he doesn't respect anyone until they drop 40 points. And then LeBron had a game where he had 20 points and 20 rebounds. And as Shaquille O'Neal pointed out very astutely on TNT, 20 plus 20 is 40. <laughs> Dylan Brooks, uh, if you're listening, you're not that guy. He's not. And even... You're not that guy, pal. The Grizzlies told him he's not that guy because a recent report from Shams Charania, which now has received some folks saying that it might be editorialized by Mm. him or his source, it said that the Grizzlies will not take back Dylan Brooks, whose contract is up and he's a free agent. They will not bring him back, quote, under any circumstances. Listen, I am sure he's going to make some fan base in Lithuania very happy next year. And... uh... I'm thrilled for him. That is my favorite, I think, of the NBA memes, the one with Adam Silver's face. And then it's just a fake quote, but it has him. And then it says, get ready to learn Chinese, buddy. It's just, <laughs> it's an all-timer because it's just not true at all. But it's the picture they use for Silver is so funny. It's so, so, so funny. Now, beyond this, there's another piece of news I find very interesting. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you saw this. Did you see that the Suns and the Mercury are considering putting up their games online for streaming for free? They're 
playoff games or they're like starting next year? They're next season games for the Suns and the Mercury. They have started to do something, but yeah. then they got sued by their TV network. So I don't know if it's actually going to happen or what. They are trying to just make their games free to watch online. I mean, I, I love that. I think it's a it's a great way to grow your fan base. And we've seen it happen. Like I, uh, I'm genuinely not even trying to shoehorn in a baseball reference, but like the reason that there are so many Cubs and Braves fans throughout the country is that those games were on WGN and TBS Superstation, and they were on essentially basic cable for most of the country, and the fan base just kind of grew organically. So I think if the Suns and Mercury were the only two teams that had their games available for free, I think that's a great way to uh, to grow your following. And also, that doesn't mean that you can't still get advertising. Like, just because it's free right. doesn't mean people aren't watching it. That's the big thing is I think that's smart. And I wonder if they're inspired by the fact that their regional sports network or RSN for short, theirs is Bally Sports, which I believe recently filed for bankruptcy. They just bought the rights to a bunch of local teams. And then I don't know whatever happened, but they are not doing very well financially. So it's a move that makes a lot of sense because like you said, bring in a bunch of new fans and that would hopefully bring people into go to games, buy merchandise, all that kind of stuff. But then, yeah, as we see with podcast advertising and stuff, if you just have an audience, mm-hmm. you can sell advertisements to that audience. And it doesn't matter that you're not an official TV station or whatever. Yeah. If they're pulling in a bunch of views, they can reach out to sponsors and say, look, we have these free NBA games and X amount of people watch. And then boom. I mean, that's what I do with podcasting. Like our podcasts are free. Yeah. And then when we have sponsors, you know, there's particular rates. Like it makes sense financially. It's something that I think is smart to make their teams more popular. And it's also just cool. And it's also one of those things where like, if one team does it, maybe the rest of them will do it kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. And it's also, I think, acknowledging that even if you try to prevent it, people are going to stream your stuff illegally anyway. So it's better to just Mm -hmm. embrace that that might happen and try to put it out the way that you want it to be. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then get that sponsorship money or whatever you're trying to do with the service. So I think it's cool. I hope it goes through. I hope they don't get sued. I hope that it works and then all the other teams follow. Because there were rumblings of some other teams doing similar things. Like the Knicks were going to do something where you could stream Knicks games through MSG app or something like that. And then they like leaked what the pricing model was going to be. Mm-hmm. And it was going to be like 30 bucks a month. And it's like, I like watching the Knicks. I don't $30 a month like watching the Knicks right. so much so where I don't go to like a very legal website. Or at that point, just get League Pass. You mm-hmm. know, like... It's something that would be very cool if if all teams follow suit. Well, that's the pushback they're going to get, though, is is the teams that want to be able to charge a premium for their cable package or, or whatever it is that they have. So I guess we'll see how it plays out. But I guess moving on, should we do kind of like a quick recap of each series? Some of the more dramatic stuff that happened in, in, uh, in each matchup here? Yeah, let's go through real quick. We had in the first round, first off, I mean, talk about drama, the Warriors and the Kings. That was wonderful, wonderful stuff. Went full seven games. We already talked about the Draymond Green thing and stomping and getting suspended and all that. Mm -hmm. Steph went ballistic in game seven, 50 points, taunted the Kings by making fun of the light, the beam situation. (laughs) I got to tell you, I know some people don't love it. The whole like, you know, go to sleep thing that he did in the finals. But like, I I love a petty stuff. Petty stuff is fun. The go to sleep taunts really good. It's a really, really good one. So that was a super fun series. I believe I believe we could read his lips saying you're not ready for this shit. Like just yelling Mm -hmm. that at the crowd. He did that to the Kings fans. Not even yell, just kind of like said. And that makes it worse. (laughs) That he like didn't scream it. Oh, yeah, and apparently he gave a very inspiring pregame speech that he then went out mm-hmm. and completely backed up. And look, I don't care what ranking you are. If you're in the playoffs, you are still the champions until you're not champions anymore. And the Warriors are champions. I I don't know that they were a better team than the Kings, but I do know that they had more experience. And when it comes to a game seven on the road, especially in a season where the Warriors were so egregiously bad on the road. Once you get to this time of year, the experience really does matter. And uh, that has now set up a a LeBron versus Steph rematch in the second round. So let's get to the to the next series. What's up next on? Yeah. So we already talked about Bucks and Heat and then Knicks and Cavs. I mean, 
Not a lot of people picked the Knicks to win. People picked it to be a competitive series, but I think the consensus was the Cavs would win in seven, and the Knicks won in five. So I yeah, like I, don't know, I don't know. I don't know anyone who shorts. had Knicks in five. I I was oh, actually no pretty, not even me. Yeah, I was pretty confident that the Knicks uh, like could win the series. I thought it'd be kind of a, a toss up, but I would not have thought either team would win in five. So that was uh, certainly certainly a surprise and pretty pretty damn impressive, frankly. Yeah, it was nice because. From a basketball perspective, cool. But from a drama perspective, we didn't trade for Donovan Mitchell this offseason. And the Cleveland Cavaliers did. And the fact that we were playing them was very much a referendum on, is the trade good? Should we have done this? And yeah. by beating them, it's like, haha, we beat you. And we also didn't have to give up a bunch of draft picks and young assets. I still think that the trade made a lot of sense for the Cavs, but it just was nice for vindication purposes to be like, see, we didn't need to trade for Donovan for sure. Mitchell. For sure. So then next one, you had Sixers and Nets. I mean, the Sixers swept them. Yeah, there was, was nothing really to be said there except for a couple of people got hit in the nuts. So whatever. Yeah, the Nets like got close in one game and that was pretty much it. That was a series. Yeah. And then the Celtics beat the Hawks four to two. Pretty smooth sailing. I think the only thing worth talking about was that DeJounte Murray got suspended for a game for intentionally bumping into a referee at the end of a game because he was angry. Uh, you just can't do that. You're not, I, you just can't do that. Yeah. Here's, here's a rule for the NBA and just in life. Don't touch people. <laughs> just don't, don't touch people. Yeah. Don't, don't, don't do it. Get get consent first. Yeah. Then in the West, we had Denver beat Minnesota four to one. I mean, not necessarily anything dramatic there, except if you are considering the Timberwolves who made a huge trade mm -hmm. and then were not great at basketball. And now a lot of their players don't like each other. So that's going to be a mess. Listen, man, Denver, Denver is the Rodney Dangerfield of the NBA. They don't get no respect. They don't. They don't. They played really well. Then you had Suns and Clippers. Clippers had a bunch of injuries. What are you going to do? They lost four to one to the Suns. We just talked Kings and Warriors. And then finally, you had the Lakers upsetting the Memphis Grizzlies four to two. And I mean, I think this is a similar thing. LeBron's got a lot of experience. Mm -hmm. Anthony Davis has experience. That team has really put themselves together after the trade deadline and the Grizzlies had injuries as well to two of their better big men. And if you have big men hurt, it's going to be hard to defend Anthony Davis. So a little tricky. And then when Dylan Brooks is talking a bunch of crap, uh, that's going to put some extra fuel in LeBron's fire. Don't poke the bear, man. Why are we poking the bear? Don't poke the bear. So that was the first round. It's all complete. We've got a really fun second round ahead. Right now, the Knicks and the Heat are one and one. The Sixers and the Celtics are one and one. Denver's up 2-0 on Phoenix, and the Lakers are up 1-0 on the Warriors. So we will see how the playoffs go. But, you know, it's been fun, and I think it's going to continue to be fun. I like how even the league is. Like, it's great. There's, there's so many teams that are good. And just look at the seeds mm -hmm. who have advanced. It's eight versus five. It's three versus two. It's one versus four and it's six versus seven. So not necessarily following yeah. what you would anticipate from a seeding perspective. Yeah. I mean, do you think the Warriors thought they would have home court advantage or the Knicks thought they would have home court advantage in the second round of the playoffs? I don't think anybody thought that. No, it's beyond strange, but I think that's what makes it fun when the league is very even. It just makes the playoffs that much more enticing because anything can happen. And this was one of the most fun first rounds in recent history where there's only one sweep? Yeah. That's wild. Even at this stage of the playoffs, no, not feel confident putting money on any particular team to win at all. Like, I, I have no idea who's going to be in the finals or win the finals, and I love that. As someone whose own team is not involved, like, this is exactly what I want as a fan is, I just, I don't know. And I, I think it's going to be really interesting. I mean, based on what you've watched of the playoffs thus far, do you feel like we're moving towards, like, a... You know, a, a Nuggets Sixers, Nuggets Celtics sort of situation. Like, what is your best guess as to who is going to win it all or who's going to get to the finals? If I was voting with my brain, yeah. I would say Nuggets and Celtics. And then in that case, I would pick the Nuggets just because the Celtics have very talented wings, but they don't have necessarily the best defensive big men. I mean, Time Lord's pretty good and he has the greatest nickname in the NBA. <laughs> But Jokic is just a monster. Yeah. Now, if I'm voting with my heart, Knicks. Uh, Knicks are going to win. Uh, Knicks, Lakers, beat the Heat final? Five. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it'd be so good. It'd be so good. 
It'd be so, so, so good. So if I want with my heart, I want it to be Knicks and Sixers in the Eastern Conference Finals because I have a couple close friends who are Sixers fans and it would just be very fun to joyously argue with them Mm -hmm. during the series because I I think Knicks and Sixers both are franchises that just feel cursed. So for us (laughs) to be in the Eastern Conference Finals together, it would just be like, look, we're both just happy to be here, but also I want to destroy you. But also if we lose, who cares? Like, it would just be fun. It'd be a good time. I do have to say, and I know I'm going to get some shit from our Philly fan listeners, but it would be really funny if the Sixers got to the finals and lost because then it would just be three consecutive sports of Phillies getting to the World Series, oh. losing, Eagles getting to the Super Bowl, losing, Sixers getting to the NBA Finals and and losing. Which, like, look, that's still great. I'm, I'm not, like, insulting any of those teams. It's not easy to be one of the final two teams standing, but... Um, it would kind of, as a lifetime Philly hater, it would be it would be kind of funny. Now, I was looking just out of curiosity for game two. The cheapest ticket to just be in the building in the Garden was three hundred eighty dollars. So, if the Knicks get to the finals, what do you think you'd be willing to spend? Hmm. We talking like one one thousand? I would do one of those things where you like buy it before the series begins. And I would just pick, like, it would depend on home court, not home court, but I would just pick a home game late-ish in the series. Mm -hmm. So if we had home court advantage, I would pick game seven. And if we didn't, I would pick game six. And then I would just buy it. And then, yeah, I think $1,000 is probably what I could digest. Yeah. And just see how close I can get to the court. (laughs) I mean, look, having been to the Garden many times, even during the regular season, it's a pretty electric environment. I cannot imagine how loud it must be at these games. No, and I've just heard different reporting from NBA reporters that have been at this games that their ears are ringing before they announce the team, like when they do the starters announcement. Like apparently it's that loud just before the game begins. I can't even imagine because, yeah, I've never been to a Knicks playoff game in MSG, but I've been to just like games on a Tuesday night against the Pacers and Mm -hmm. it's so loud. So, yeah, the finals. Oh, man, it would be. I might wear a hard hat to the game because it might be like a, you know, like a falling objects risk of sound vibrations rupturing the ceiling. Yep. Well, I'm I'm happy mm-hmm. for you. We're going to talk more Knicks uh, during our, our interview, but uh, yeah, it's been an exciting time. It's been an exciting time. So as you mentioned, we have an interview coming up, which will be very fun with a Knicks fan. But before we get into that interview with Bobby, let's take a quick break here. You're going to hear some advertisements. Some of those will be read by us. Some of them won't be. The ones that aren't read by us are inserted locally. So they might be about your city or country. If you live abroad, it might be in your country's native language. But once those ads are complete, we will get into our interview, which will close out the episode. All right. As mentioned, I am very excited to introduce this guest because he's a a very good friend of mine. Uh, now, Bobby, in a in a former life, was a was a writer for Fansided and Daily Knicks. He's an absolute basketball nut. I know because I've been to a game with him. Uh, but he's also the uh, the creator, the uh, the writer and director of the upcoming six episode streaming series Undercover Comic, in which uh, the lead actor is honestly distractingly handsome. That's how I would describe it. Uh, I get I got. To play the the lead actor. It was an amazing experience. Uh, We have a a premiere coming up soon, and then we're going to be streaming on on Amazon, uh, Roku, and Tubi. I'll let Bobby tell you all about that. But without further ado, Bobby Friedman is joining the pod today. Bobby, how you doing, buddy? Excellent. Excellent. Thank you so much for having me, guys. And I'm especially good because this is the most hopeful I've felt about my New York Knicks in about 25 years. So the last time I was this hopeful, I was 10. And I was (laughs) hopeful about everything. So... We, we so we're talking the uh, the 1999 the kind of Allen Houston Latrell Sprewell days. That's right, baby. That's right. Absolutely, it's a crazy time. It's an absolute crazy time for the New York Knicks, and uh, my head is exploding. And uh, <laughs> I was saying how it's basically taken me two days to mentally prepare for each game, and then it takes me two or three days to wind down from that. So. Uh, it's been it's been pretty crazy, man. You know what though? Live it up. I mean, it doesn't it doesn't always happen. It's been kind of a dry spell. It's been ten years since the Knicks were were in the playoffs or in the second round, I should say. And uh, I'm I'm happy for you guys. That's that's how much I care about the two of you. Uh, that I'm actually rooting for the Knicks right now. That's very big of you to say as a Chicago Bull fan because Bulls and Knicks really 
really don't mix very well, but taking you to that uh, to that Nick game was was really a joy. You were a very good sport. I did embarrass you. <laughs> I didn't know I didn't know that Bobby would be a, a like a, a big yeller during the during the game, and Ooh, it was it was okay. happening. What, what kind of yeller? Because there's all the different styles. I have my style, but what is what is your yelling style? Oh, I'd say I'm a flagrant blue collar yeller because the stat really comes out of me. And <laughs> I start, you know, I, it's really a miracle I've never been in a fight at a game because I'm pretty flagrant. I'm pretty in your face. And if there was somebody who took maybe some of my comments the wrong way, I could see myself being on World Star Hip Hop the next day. Well, gotcha, you've never gotcha. you've never been ejected like Charles Oakley, so there's there's still time. It might might happen eventually. Yeah, yeah my, my style, I once went to a Knicks game with one of my bosses as like a team building thing. Uh, and he was not a big basketball guy, but partway during the game, he turned to me and he said, you talk to the players like they're members of your family. Because <laughs> <laughs> this was at the time when like Mario Hazoni was on the team. And I'd be like, Mario, no, don't shoot that. Mario, no. And he's yeah, like, you yeah, talk yeah. to Mario like he's your cousin. <laughs> First name basis. Yeah. Oh, always. So Bobby, tell us a little bit before we get into your, your work nowadays, tell us a little bit about your history with basketball uh, and some of your experience actually working in the basketball landscape. Well, it started just by being a hardcore fan, which I'm sure, you know, many people can relate to, but, um, you know, Adam, you know me personally well enough to know that I have an insane motor. And so I need to talk about it. I need people to talk to about, and I'm texting dozens of people who know that I'm this big Nick fan, either they're a big NBA fan or another Nick fan. And that's when I started my relationship with my now wife. And she said, you really need an outlet. <laughs> because I can't keep listening to this, Bobby. I can't be that outlet for you. <laughs> Tali, I'm right there I with really you. I understand. Her, I really have Tali to thank. Um, <laughs> she said, you need an outlet. And, um, so I started writing uh, a blog, which was popular back then to do. Uh, this is around 2010. It's called Drop the Mic Hoops Blog. And I started it on a, as a Facebook page and it started doing well. We ended up getting to like 10,000 followers. And that's when I was like, okay, this is starting to feel kind of serious. And I went off and applied to a few gigs and I ended up working my way up the fan-sided network, which is like Sports Illustrated owned. And so that was, you know, a bit of a wake-up call in terms of what it takes to publish your own blog versus work as a professional journalist. And then moving up the ranks in there until I eventually got the Daily Knicks and I felt like, okay, my voice is being heard. My Nick fans hear me. My Nick friends, my Nick, I have Nick friends and I have enough of them now, now that I have tens of thousands of them. That's enough. Now, one thing that we love on this show more than anything is drama. And I, I have to imagine there were some beefs that you got involved in. Do you remember if there were any particular articles or takes that you had that elicited a, a very angry reaction from, from fans? Oh, you know what? Yeah, there's a real... <laughs> Did I tell you this? Maybe, That's I don't know. Question. That's a great question. So I once wrote an article that said something bad about Derek Rose, like the first time we had him. How dare you? Now I'm mad at you. Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. Well, he was bad at basketball and also forgot about consent. So it was a tough time to have Derek Rose on the team. Yeah, yeah. His fans are hardcore. His fans are really, really serious. And all I simply said, which I know he's beloved now um, by both Bulls and Nick, you know, fan bases. All I simply said was that it wasn't good basketball at the time because we were looking for a point guard who would lead a team and distribute the ball and get other guys involved. And, you know, at that point in Derrick Rose's career, he wanted to score and he wanted to score a lot. And that's, you know, that's we've had enough of those guys in New York. We were ready for a distributor. We were ready for a team guy. And so I wrote something and and basically in the comments section, it was like people had tried to dox me and like put my oh, address and they were like Bobby Friedman and they published like an old address that, I, you know, my parents address. I was like, Oh, my mom and dad are going to kill me for this. Like imagine <laughs> those fans show up in my parents' house in Staten Island, ready to kick their butts. And it's like, Bobby doesn't live here anymore. <laughs> I said, but here's his new address. Your parents just sell you out. Exactly. Exactly. So that was as heated as it got. Otherwise, you know, there's just a lot of people who will try to call you out for details and and uh, really working. I think you guys had Gerald Bourget on. We did. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. He was my boss when I was on there. And now he, he this guy has been obsessed with the Phoenix Suns. Really, truly, it's like on level with my Nixon, like really at another level. And he now and now they have uh, they got uh, Derek. 
I mean, rather, uh, Kevin Durant. And so, you know, he's, he's just living it up right now. And I see on ESPN, yeah. they'll see those sources from Gerald Bourget and I'm like, good for him. Like he, it is he, very cool. Yeah. We'll see, we'll see if they can make a, a dramatic comeback. I wouldn't put it past them. I mean, they're going back to Phoenix. So if they win these next two games, they, uh, they might have a good shot. Now, when you were growing up, did you get to go to a lot of Knicks games? Like, do you have any kind of, uh, seminal moments in your, in your brain as like becoming a, a diehard? Yes, that's a, another great question. So, uh, so basically, when I was growing up, my dad was working on Wall Street, and so he would get us these great seats. That you know, I was too young to realize this isn't reality. This isn't where normal people get <laughs> yeah. to sit. This yeah. isn't like normal seats. This isn't where people get to sit on a normal basis. The seats were fantastic, and also he was using. I, I can say this now because he's way retired, but the, he was using the company card. So I thought the fan shop was like free. Like if you guys, <laughs> that was free to you. That was a very harsh. Not to whoever you worked 12, for. Right, right after he got fired from that job, and I was like, "Hey, let's grab a stretch." And he's like, "Those are one hundred twenty dollars. Get away from those." <laughs> so we had these great seats, and I was just such a diehard, and still am such a diehard Adam Sandler fan. I love Adam Sandler, and he was on SNL. Maybe he was either on SNL or just off SNL. Maybe Billy Madison had just come out or something like that. And he was there and he came over and he just hugged all his fans. Like, I remember just getting a hug from Adam Sandler. Like, this is, I'm at a Nick game and I'm getting hugged by Adam Sandler. I was a little bit, I was like, this is the greatest thing. It will never get any better than this. And I was right. That was the best one. <laughs> that was it. Yeah. It's all downhill from there. <laughs> um, yeah. But you know what's different is that, and if you're from New York, especially, um, Mike, are you from New York? I'm from Jersey and I live in New York now. Oh, you get it. And Adam, you've been in New York long enough to get it. Um, if you go to a Nick game now, your seat is your seat. And mm -hmm. security is pretty good because that's just how it's been since 9-11. But before, you used to be able to sneak down. All you had to do is just kind of go. You just kind of sneak mm -hmm. down. And so sneaking down was always the game. How close can you get? to the floor? And they didn't really check the way they check now, say, you know, 20 years ago. And so that was always the most fun part of going to a Nick game is, you know, you get your pastrami sandwich and you sneak down as far as humanly possible. And we, we were two feet from, oh, this might've been after 9-11, but we were really close to Justin Tuck. I was, you know, screaming. And I think some of the cheerleaders, I saw some eye contact. I don't know if it was definitely a real connection, but <laughs> yeah, I they know. were definitely looking at you, Bobby. Certainly <laughs> not. They weren't looking at Justin Tuck, the professional football player. Right, they were right. looking at you. Yeah, I was right behind him. I was right behind. I think, I, now, the funny thing about that anecdote, Bobby, is that you describe this desire to sneak down into better seats as a past tense thing when you literally did that at the game we were at. Like you. We didn't, but you wanted to. And I was, I chickened out. I was like, uh, let's just, these are good seats. I don't, I don't want to go anywhere. <laughs> I saw you were shaking. You know why? The game before that I had gone to earlier this season, my buddy and I did it and it was really a blast from the past. And I just remembered like, wow, sneaking down is such a rush because whatever your seats were, however good they felt, sneaking down for free is like, oh my God, this is the greatest thing ever. Like I can yeah. see the game so much better and, and it's a completely so different experience as a, as a fan i did that at barclays this year because no one cares about the nets so it was much mm -hmm. easier no one cares about that. yeah i was gonna say i'm glad that the nets are bad again because adam and i once went to a nets bulls game when both teams were quite bad at basketball and the arena was very empty and we had mega nosebleed seats for the first half and then at halftime we were like uh, allegedly uh at halftime we we're like what if we just like walk down and just like go? i think the statute of limitations got... is over i don't think anyone's uh <laughs> yeah. you know, i don't think a swat team is going to come to but yeah we we just like snuck down and got like maybe like 10 rows back and the, i mean the stadium was empty it was absolutely empty so it was nothing but yeah you, you just feel the rush and you can like look back to your old seat and be like ha -ha. Yeah, <laughs> but you know the thing is is that the bar was and i will say this it kills me to say because i live in brooklyn for about 10 years but i'm a nick fan of course and I'm happy to see the Nets succeed, but if it's Knicks versus Nets, there's no question. But the arena, the experience, they were very mindful of the fan experience when designing that arena. Because it kind of reminds me almost of the Prudential Center, if you've been, where the mm -hmm. doubles play. Mm -hmm. Where it's like, there are a lot of good seats at the cost of some really shit bad seats at the top. 
Yeah, the top row of Barclays is truly, really, really rough. And it makes me very thankful for MSG where like, there's really not a bad seat in the house just because it's not so tall, it's but, wide. But and you'll know if you have very good seats. They're very clear about who has the truly good seats. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So all the seats are good, but a lot of them are not great at the expense of having these incredible seats at the bottom. So, you know... It's, it's a little bit more Manhattanized in that sense, but I love the Barclays for their fan experience. I've gone, and when I went, when they first opened, I went to a preseason game. It was uh, versus Celtics, and I think it was it was like 120 bucks at the time because I was dying to sit as close as possible. I was like, how close can we get for 120 bucks? There was like third row, and I was like, this is crazy. And somebody had had to cool. up to leave, and they had been on celebrity row which i don't know if any of the listeners know but celebrity row is when your feet are actually on the court and yeah I like the folding the- chairs in the first row where you know spike mm-hmm. lee sits spike lee seats and i yeah. saw this guy going and i said this is it if i don't dive on dive on this opportunity this isn't going to happen so i ran with the guy I said are you leaving and he's like yeah he knew what i was doing he goes yeah he said, <laughs> can i get those passes and it was oh it was a lanyard. oh yeah i still have yeah. It was a lanyard. And we sat on Celebrity Row for the second half. And Jamal Crawford, famous Nick, his brother, Jordan Crawford, fell on me. And I still had the sweat. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Never washed the shirt. That's, that's really cool. That That's definitely like a bucket list thing for me. Um, is to is to mm-hmm. sit in those yeah. seats. If you want to do it for a more affordable way, I've never been courtside in an NBA game, but I've been courtside for two WNBA games, and I'm going to keep doing that before like the world catches up and those ticket prices go up. College games too. It's yeah. Oh yeah, true. But it's just fun. the most surprising thing about being courtside is that uh, I didn't realize it, but of course it makes sense because you're just on a folding chair on the court. Like you feel the dribbles, which is just weird. Like you feel it in your chair, and it's just a bizarre experience. And I think it's almost unlike any other sport in the sense that it's so intimate once you're down there. And there are men who can fly. They're flying humans. Yeah. <laughs> There's no sport like it. It's <laughs> it's it's pretty remarkable. I got to sit, it wasn't courtside, but it was like maybe two rows behind um, at the uh, the New Jersey Nets stadium. I don't know. I think at the time it was called like the IZOD Center or something like that. Um, it was Derek Rose's rookie year. And I kid you not, I, I had a hard time seeing him. Like he was moving so quickly that I, my eyes were having a difficult <laughs> oh, time, yeah, like keeping him in frame of my actual eyesight. I think that might be one of the most athletic years for the most athletic athlete ever. (laughs) Yeah, certainly, certainly. One more thing while we're talking courtside is I have a buddy who in college, he was like the guy who was always at the pickup games. Mm -hmm. And he would, uh, he started coming in with Nick, Nick uh, memorabilia, like really random things like Jackie Butler's sneaker, Jackie Butler's size 22 sneaker. I was like, what the, like, where are you getting all these things? And finally I asked him and he said, I just love talking to people at the garden. And I talk my way down. Cause that was a long time ago, unfortunately. And I talk my way down. And what he did after college is he secured himself a job as like the equipment manager mm. and he's done it since. And he is sitting on the court every game, even now granted missing high fives from players and picking up sweat, but nonetheless on the court, baby. I mean, we got to get that guy on the pod. This sounds like he uh, probably has a few stories. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'll text him. Yeah. That's cool. All right. So let's kind of move on a little bit and talk uh, more about your recent work. So tell us a little bit about what your career has been like, um, you know, in the past few years, the stuff you're working on, obviously the, uh, you know, the project that involves me, but uh, tell the people what you've been doing. Yeah. uh, And I appreciate you having me on to talk about it a little bit because it's, it's genuinely very exciting and it hasn't really hit me on the head yet because I've just been so busy with the work itself. Um, you know, Adam and I got together like three days before the pandemic and decided we're going to make a TV show and a little bit of a, a little bit of a detour. And we went uh, ahead with it. We didn't quarantine. Yeah. We just filmed it that year. <laughs> we, did, we kind of did. Um, you know, <laughs> no. the whole thing with with these things is follow through. And for us, it was just so much hustle. But basically what had happened was I had made a short film about a crazy experience that I had had where I, you know, kind of nearly had, I had like a brush with death. And the short film, I did like a screening for it. And unbeknownst to me, there was an executive in the audience who hooked me up with um, a songwriter, a very, very popular songwriter who is just incredibly talented and sort of been my champion ever since then. And um, I started working for her and writing and that work allowed me 
to put together like a funding where I said, I'm going to make this series about this story because to me, it's the thing I know the best is, is my reality. And, and it was also, I thought a pretty interesting story about believing in yourself and, and chasing your dreams and not being deterred from that, no matter what happens and balancing family while doing that, which is really frankly the hardest part. And Adam and I, we have different experiences with it, but how fa balancing family with, you know, going after your dreams can be the hardest thing. It can be the single most challenging thing because family is a version of a dream. It's something that we, you know, a lot of people dream about and, and how is it going to look? And that's where this whole white picket fence comes in. But then there's also just other people's iterations of that, plus not giving up on yourself and seeing yourself as a separate entity from that. So we wrote this show and Adam uh, was very heavily involved in developing it. Um, about this experience. I think one of the best parts about the whole thing was that we did have a financier, which is why I was moving forward with it. And the big hang up was that he didn't want to give up the rights to what the show was to me. And I said, well, there's never been a better time for me to feel like I need to double down on myself. And that's exactly what I did. And that's how we're where we are today after two, almost two and a half years, Ed. Yeah. Of working on this thing and being partnered together, it's been like just incredible because it was really hard to find a comedian who was also super professional and a good actor. And in walks Adam Mamawala. And that, you know, I don't say lightly, I being able to work with Adam has been just incredible. And that's where we're at. And now we're like all the way down the line, we're like ready to release it. And we're already talking with people about season two and stuff like that. So it's a very exciting time. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. And obviously the, uh, the, you know, the feelings mutual and you do have a, a hell of a motor. I don't, I don't know how you have time to do a lot of what you do and also oh. still maintain your marriage and family. I'm, I'm okay. genuinely impressed by that. No, just <laughs> but, uh, yeah, we, so as you're listening to this, the, the day before, cause this comes out Monday, our pilot episode will have been screened at the uh, New York Cinefest, which is really cool. Cause we're going to get to see it like on a big screen, which is kind of a surreal experience. And then I, I don't think we have an exact date, but uh, we'll we'll be streaming all six episodes, I suspect in the next couple of months, probably, right? Well, it went from any month now to any week now. And, um, you know, just frankly, we, we got approval from Amazon Prime. So I know it's going to be on maybe it could be next week. So I yeah. wish we had a date, but we just don't just yet. But we will be certainly uh, flyering the town once we do. Yeah. Now, I, I don't want you to, to reveal anything that you don't want to, so we can definitely edit this out. But I, I know that you're also developing a show that is is related to basketball. Do you care to give any sort of teaser about that or do you want to keep it close to the vest? All right. I have to say this because this is pretty crazy is that early March, the Knicks, you know, people don't realize it's early March, the Knicks were not really people didn't think they were going necessarily to even be in the playoffs. They thought, okay, they're a little bit better than we expected. They still might be a team that's on the fringe. My brother-in-law says, we're placing a bet. $100 guy, if the Knicks win the championship, we get $11,000. I said, put that bet down for me. I'm in. And a week later, they started really getting pretty like seriously good. And they started climbing the ranks. And I was like, oh my God, this is absolutely crazy because this is exactly kind of like the story I'm writing about right now. I had written a pilot called The Damn Knicks about a guy who has three jobs and he's a hardworking New Yorker. And he essentially says, I'm going to bet my life savings on the Knicks. And at the same time that night, he says, man, I'm so pissed about the Knicks. I wish I could sell my fanhood. And his idiot friend goes and sells his fanhood unbeknownst <laughs> to him. And so, of course, as soon as all of these events transpire, the Knicks start getting amazing in the concept that I've written, that I had written. And so he gets himself into a hell of a pickle. And it was a pilot episode. And I had sent it over to Faden Festival. And I'm really proud that it was selected as a finalist at Faden Festival. So I'm probably going to be there in July. And what is uh, that festival? Just for people who aren't familiar with what that, that is. Faden is like, uh, it's a festival for newcomers that there are lots of, you know, producers and stuff there. But they also film, they also screen a bunch of films and stuff. Um, but it's a festival in L.A. Um, and so I'm probably going to be heading out there in July just to talk more about it and to meet some people who are interested in talking about it. But it's since then we've turned into a feature film idea. And so that script is becoming more and more actualized. And um, it's very exciting because to me, it's something I'm like dead set on doing. And especially if this reality of the Knicks going all the way happens along with it, it's like my head. My wife's like, what would happen if the Knicks were the champion? I said, my head would explode. Like you would see my head explode and then I would move forward and spend all of that on making this script a reality. So 
I just love the idea that the real life version of this could potentially fund the fake version of it. Exactly. Exactly. That's exactly <laughs> well, right. I'll be rooting for you. You know, we'll we'll see how it goes. Um, hopefully, hopefully the Knicks get past Miami here, and uh, you never know. I mean, it's kind of it's kind of uh, it's kind of wide open, right? I know that this podcast isn't for like necessarily hardcore basketball fans, but people mm-hmm. who will casually enjoy basketball. But you know, it's like a bunch of little guys who are running all over the place and shooting a bunch of threes. Versus a bunch of tougher guys who are just trying to keep up with that. So for me, and those are the Knicks. And for me, it's just really hard to watch. It's really, really stressful to watch every single time they're on. Because it's like, we're not little and nimble. We're not. We're like bigger and rougher. And that's New York, right? That's Mm -hmm. the beauty of it. But I will say that I have Knicks in seven. Are we talking the NBA finals or this season? All right. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, well, the finals is a sweep. Come on. Once that we get to the finals, we're not losing proof the game. That you know how insane I am. Listen, the fun of being a sports <laughs> fan is allowing yourself to be del- delusional. Right. Now, speaking of delusional, just a final question to to really bring it on home because we don't often have the pleasure of having Knicks fans here. Who is the the worst Nick that you genuinely believed in <laughs> in recent memory? Like someone who did not pan out at all, but you were like, you know what, Alexi Schwed is a big is the Noah Vonley guy. He loved him because there's a dude. Vonley was legit was good for us. Vonley was good. Ah, you know, big Charlie Ward guy. No, no, not a big Charlie Ward guy. You know, in recent memory, the Nick that I thought. This is all delusional, right? So we're starting, nobody's going to judge me here. We had a guy who was past his prime, but he was just a good facilitator, Jarrett Jack. I really like Jarrett Jack um, because he was just there to play ball and he was doing what, if he was like younger, no, there's no situation where he would have been the right guy for us. Okay, fine. Who was the guy from a few years ago, that uh, the point guard? Um, no. Nilakina? Definitely Raymond was. Felton? Or older. <laughs> You know what? For me, and I'll I'll leave you with this, is that I'm very brutally honest with my assessment of the Knicks. So I love them to death. And I always go, yay, go Knicks. But realistically, I know what they're going to do. And that's what's scary about this time, is that mm-hmm. if I was watching this team and they were wearing any of their colors, I'd be like, those guys are serious about winning. Those guys can win. Yeah. I would like these guys if they were wearing another jersey. This is the squad. And that's what is is exciting for me. Because when we had Carmelo... You know, Carmelo Anthony was a black hole. He touched the ball, he was going to shoot. You knew it. So it was so easy to do schematics against. Like Miami is a mm-hmm. team that is not big names or so talented, but they're coached so well. And we're meeting them at mm-hmm. that challenge. We're trying to meet them at that yeah. challenge. I appreciate. Plus, we have the guys. We have the talent. Yeah. Uh, so defense, defense. Uh, and I don't think Nixon I really- seven question at all my seven baby you know i I know i know you've just spent the last two and a half years of your life developing a series about comedians because you you ended a podcast interview by saying i'll leave you with this and then went into (laughs) (laughs) i was at a party a couple weeks ago all right uh Uh, well bobby i already (laughs) gave the plug for our instagram uh account for uh for undercover comic but anything else you want to plug about the show or in general before we let you go uh, look for Undercover Comic on Amazon, Roku, and Tubi, uh, streaming in the coming weeks this ma- this spring. Yeah, stream it, share it, stream talk it, about share it, it tweet it. about it, Instagram about it, all That's the right. things. LinkedIn about it, we don't care. LinkedIn about it, you must. It's all good. We're <laughs> all good for it. Tumblr it. Thanks for listening to this episode of Four Sources, hosted by Adam Amawala and Mike Schubert. Our editor is Kensei Suramaki. The music is by Bettina Kambamanas. The art is by Alison Wakeman. And the website is by Kelly Schubert. And the social media is by both of the Horse Boys. Thank you to our producer-level patrons, Polly Burge, Kendra Hadley, Salvatore Testa, Trust the Process, Siobhan Ellsbury, Don't Go Chasing Taco Falls, Bang, Bang, Roast Beef Debris, Kate the Conqueror, Basketball is Life 2, Denver Steam Nuggets, Anna Reed, Steph Curry for 50. That was exactly 50 bangs. I counted that. <laughs> Hi, Trish. Nicole Arsenault. Stubby Boardman gets paid. Chase Underulo and Mr. Bubbles plays ball. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Horse Hoops and on Twitter at Horse underscore Hoops because... 
Horse hoops is a white collar yeller and we don't have time for that. They're just too uppity and too pretentious. Yeah, we only like blue collar yellers. It's true. Yeah, we like a more down to earth yeller out there. And go to our website, horsehoops.com for links to some of the fun stuff we talked about today, including my upcoming tour dates, Mike's upcoming tour dates, some information about Undercover Comic, the new Vegas Aces Training Center, and much more. And if you want to support the Horse Boys, you can do so at Patreon. You can go to patreon.com slash horse hoops you can get access to bonus text and audio and video and new playoff things that we're going to be doing and you can get exclusive merchandise such as stickers and jerseys and speaking of merchandise you can also get other merch at horsehoops.com slash merch we've got sup nerds shirts we've got digital stuff all sorts of goodies there but we're going to close out this episode as we always do by putting our hands in the middle and saying something on the count of three now adam i don't know if this is true for you but me playing baseball and tennis growing up i'm incredibly superstitious since last time we said let's go Knicks and they didn't get eliminated from the playoffs so it'd be cool if we did another let's go Knicks. is that asking for too much uh no i don't think but if you ask for one more that will be too much so two two is okay but three it's gonna okay. it's gonna be tough for me but on, on this in this case i'm fine all right let's do it then let's go Knicks on the count of three one two three let's, let's go, go Knicks. Knicks. Yeah, do you hate who? What what team does the Bulls hate the most? Who's the, the most heated rival? Oh, oh, is it true? Oh, uh, maybe not anymore. <laughs> I I think um, historically it was the Pistons back in the like late eighties. Uh, then I feel like it became the Knicks. I think <laughs> now that's a good question. Actually, I'm gonna I'm gonna ruminate about that. For a while, it was like a rivalry with the Cavs when LeBron was there and Joe Kim Noah <laughs> was <laughs> insulting Cleveland. But I don't know. Either way, let's go Bulls. Also, <laughs> <laughs> let's go Bulls indeed. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. This Mother's Day, treat mom to healthy, glowing skin with Osea's limited edition skincare sets. Osea has been making clean, seaweed-infused products for nearly 30 years. Their advanced eye care duo brightens and firms skin around your eyes, while the Golden Glow Body Trio nourishes and smooths skin all over. They both come in giftable boxes with savings up to $46 and free shipping for a limited time. Go to OSEAMalibu.com and use code MOM for 10% off your first order site-wide.